0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Bio Breakthroughs podcast. I'm your host Jared Taylor. Joining me today is Joel Morse, the CEO at Curavit. How are you today?
1: I'm great. Thanks for uh, the 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 time. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to chat. Let's let's dive right in. Tell the audience a little bit about your background, and then we'll talk more about Curavit.
1: Great. Uh, So uh, my relevant background is in the '90s. I started a company that was called C3I, and we focused on providing services, IT and clinical services to the pharmaceutical industry. And, uh, we, through the next 20 years, grew that into a hundred million dollar global business with offices, certainly here in the United States, uh, UK, Bulgaria, China, and Japan and India. And, uh, we're providing services to 17 of the top global 20. Uh, some very innovative software companies like metadata and Cayentis, and eventually sold that to merck in 2014 and i stayed on at merck for about five years in their health services and solutions business and then merck sold that and that gave me an opportunity to understand what i wanted to do next and what excited me and clinical trials were definitely top of that list and there was a lot of opportunity with new technology and new processes so we got the old team back together and started CureVit Clinical Research as a uh, contract research organization focused on helping companies uh, engage on decentralized or virtual clinical trials. And we started that before COVID in 2019. And today we're almost about four years old and have multiple clients. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little
0: bit. Tell me about the importance of Kind of running it back, right? You said you got the team back together. H- how how critical is it to be able to work with some of the people that you've had success with in the past, and 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 what level of speed does that give you based on already knowing each other and having those relationships?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it is invaluable, and so our chief. So there's three co-founders of it and I have. Dave Hanneman and I started C3I together. So we have 20 plus years working together. Our chief medical officer who rounded out the team has been a family friend for 30 years. So we've known each other for a long time. So there's a lot of trust already built. Then as we've rounded out the team, chief operating officer comes from C3I and worked with him for 20 years. Um, Several people on the sales team and several people on the operations team. So they hit the ground running. And uh, you already have that trust established. On top of that, we also have a deep roots in the community and in the industry. And so people that we've hired might not have worked for me, but have um, I've known for 10 or 20 years. So we've built a team that immediately has trust and a deep understanding of what everybody's capabilities are. So it's been uh, uh, instrumental in helping us execute.
0: Absolutely. And I think it gives that that kind of superpower where probably there's times that you don't have to even say anything, right? Like, because people have worked with you, they already know maybe where you're heading with something. And it, it's almost like that that mind reading type, type moment in situations, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I've, I've experienced it and I've seen it happen to a lot of, uh, uh, successful entrepreneurs.
1: It's definitely a great way to explain it. And that definitely happens here. And another thing also is everybody's, uh, quite comfortable about, um, how to engage from a working perspective. And it's a challenge now because everything's remote, but nobody that I've worked with um, and my style is uh, not confrontational, but questioning. And so I don't want people to be nervous about questioning me or pushing back. And, you, you know, we didn't have to ramp up that. They already know that from working with me. And, and that helps us get to the best solution much quicker.
0: Let's let's dive, let's circle back to to care of It. Sure where, where are things at today? Um, you know, where we're recording this almost, almost midway through, uh, 2023, which is wild. Uh, tell us the, the current status of the company. Uh, what are, what are some of the key initiatives? Um, I know our audience would love to learn more.
1: Yeah. So again, CureVid is a contract research organization focused on, uh, decentralized or virtual clinical trials. And as we started and added clients, we've learned a lot. And so um, decentralized clinical trials, which we lean into heavily, um, are incredibly uh, uh, efficient in the right setting. And so we have had multiple clients where we ran pure decentralized clinical trials, and that's where we are executing the patient enrollment. We use a virtual clinical site with PIs and sub-Is and CRAs, all part of our clinical site and we execute the trial. And we have seen that you can recruit three times faster, 10 times more than a traditional site. And that's because you can uh, look for participants all over the country and you can put a number of resources against this current project. You don't have those constraints that you're also doing clinical work at those sites. We are a pure clinical trial uh, virtual site. And so what we've seen is when you can design a protocol that um, is, enables a decentralized clinical trial, we can execute very well and, um, and, and deliver you know cost savings, deliver time savings to our sponsors. So that is great. We have also, though, learned that sites remain vitally important. And so for us to continue to scale as a company, we have taken on projects that have what I think are traditionally called in the industry hybrid models. And that's really basically saying that instead of um, all visits being done at a site or all visits being done virtually, there are some that can be done virtually and some that are required to be done at the site. And then optimizing those processes and the technology that supports that is critical. And I think we've done a very good job taking on patients uh, that potentially need to be screened at a site and then do five virtual uh, visits and then go back to the site, done that very well. And so by including the sites where it makes sense, I think has been extremely important for the industry. And uh, that gives us also at it competitive advantage.
0: Let's talk about that competitive advantage. So what, what would you say some of the, I mean, you, you kind of so to some of it when you were, when you were telling us about uh, the company. What are some of the, let's say, disadvantages to traditional clinical trials?
1: Well, clinical trials by nature are complicated and detailed, and you want to have processes executed consistently across the trial. A traditional trial brings on clinical sites. And depending on the trial, you might have one or two sites or one or 200 sites. And those could be in one country or around the world. And every one of those sites is different. And so um, the activity that you is required to um, identify a site, contract with that site, train that site is a tremendous amount of startup, first of all. And then you have to monitor that site to make sure that the quality is consistent and that adherence to protocol and patient safety is always ensured. And so there's a lot of overhead associated with the clinical sites. In return, you get some benefit from that. So you get access to their PIs, access to their patients, access to expertise. And so that's an important balancing act, Um, but basically having the sites adds that layer of complexity. And if you're able to decrease that complexity with a central or virtual clinical site, you can ensure in that one location, you can better ensure the, the quality processes and consistency, identify issues early and get on those very quickly so that you don't have, you know, protocol deviations and things like that. So it, um, the, the, the Advantages of a traditional trial, which again gives you access to those patients and those medical professionals, has to be weighed against the overhead and the burden and the challenges that are required when you're managing multiple sites.
0: And as you know, Curavit continues to grow, let, let's talk a little bit about what the future of this space looks like and Curavit's place within it. Um, I usually always ask every guest, what's the future of your industry look like through your lens? So uh, let's dive into that a little bit.
1: Uh, I think the the future is, is bright uh, f- and challenging. And so what that means is clinical trials are an important element in the whole healthcare ecosystem, and they're not going away. And that what we've also seen is the cost to, develop a new indication, a new drug has continued to rise. I'll date myself, but when we started talking about this in the beginning of my career, it was more like 200, $300 million. Now it's $2 billion, right? And so that's a trajectory where we have to bend that curve. And I think that um, that's not going to be one thing that bends that curve, it's going to be a number of things and a number of innovative companies that are challenging the status quo not to put patients at risk, not to put data quality at risk, but challenging the status quo with, you know, new devices that are coming out that enable more um, trials to be what I call at the doorstep, where the participant can remain in the home, and that you can collect that data effectively, and maybe even more effectively uh, through devices. So um, there is a tremendous amount of innovation that's going on. And I think that there's huge opportunity for innovation uh, being applied uh, by new companies and new processes like ours that give demonstrable value to the sponsors and to the ecosystem. So what really sponsors care about, they don't care about the latest gadget or cool technology. What they care about is, can you deliver my trial faster and for less money than Previous and maybe do I have more flexibility to try more trials and more things to find that lift, if you will, that that reading that readout from a, a new indication that gives me indication that that's maybe you know going to be a good drug. And so by actually by being better and more effective and more cost effective, it's actually not going to, in my opinion, drive the market down in terms of um size it actually is going to drive the market up because now you give the sponsors uh more uh tools in their toolbox to run more and more trials when you talk to sponsors one of their biggest challenges is i don't have the budget to do all the research i want to do and by applying innovation and new oper- um, operational models etc uh, you can actually help sponsors run more trials And potentially even spend more money because they're more effective at delivering um, uh, less expensive new drugs.
0: Do you think in the past, due to maybe some inefficient processes, we could have maybe had some of these uh, sponsors stopped? You know, maybe like they could have been able to maybe have a breakthrough if they were able to be more efficient. And like you were saying, or is, is it not that fine of a line?
1: I'd actually take the converse of it. One thing is you want to fail fast. And so the trouble with some clinical trials is the, the cost and the amount of work it takes to get it all set up. And, and basically you're not able to run a lot of trials and fail fast. And so one of the, the, some of the biggest challenges, of course, a lot of the trials are going to fail, not because of safety reasons, but because the drug just doesn't have a lift. And that's just normal in clinical trials. And what you want to do is do that quickly so that you can shift your resources as a sponsor very quickly to the things that you're seeing work. So I think that um, instead of, you you know, maybe finding that, I think there will be some of that, hey, now I have more uh, resource, because my cost of trials is lower so I can do more so you can find that breakthrough. But I think what you'll see on the sponsor side is the ability to fail fast and reallocate resources more quickly than they can
0: today. My, my last question for you, Joel, I always ask something a little goofy at the end growing up or even recently, what is a, a show or movie that you really liked?
1: I can't get enough of seinfeld and i know that's an old sitcom where they even have the laugh tracks but now with was streaming and um and everybody in the company and, and my friends know that you know i live my life through seinfeld so we'll say we'll say a quote about talking about a business issue and say a, a seinfeld quote and everybody will get exactly what we're talking about so um yeah i couldn't i couldn't live without seinfeld
0: seinfeld's awesome yeah i always I always crack up when I think of, I mean, so many scenes, but there's that one scene where George is trying to look for a new job and he's like, I, I like sports. Maybe I'd be an announcer. And they're like, they usually reserve that for, you know, people that went to broadcast in yeah. school or yeah. former players. And he's like, well, that's really not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, It's I, so I, good.
1: I, it is so good. So,
0: Well, Joel, I really enjoyed the conversation here today. Hopefully, we can have you come on again in the near future, but wishing you and your company all the best of luck, and I can't wait to stay in touch.
1: Thanks for uh, inviting me, and I look forward to staying in touch, Jared. Have a good weekend.